Welcome to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast with your host, adoption author Sherry Eldridge. Adoptive parents will find hope here, hope that strained relationships with their adopted children can heal. Today we have a wonderful guest in our midst that is going to educate us, that is going to give us some spiritual insight about some very deep issues and concerns in adoption. He is a doctor, Dr. Ron Nidham. He is a pastor, an author, a writer, and counselor who will help people find spiritual and adoption truths that match, that are in line biblically. And I love that about him. So anyway, his specialty is relinquishment and adoption. What are the differences? If we were going to ask that out on social media today, Oh my gosh, I would almost be scared to put it out there because there are so many issues surrounding those two words. So welcome, my friend, and tell us the difference. Teach us what each one of those words mean and how they affect the adoption triad. All right. That's a great question, and it's a good place for us to start. In our society, we have always used the word adoption to define and kind of identify children who've lost their first parents and are hopefully living with a a different set of parents. The problem in our society is that we ignore what relinquishment is. And for many years, we have made believe that if the adoptive parents loved enough, everything would be okay. Unfortunately, that was an incorrect assumption or belief because relinquishment has its own power And its power is very negative. That is to say, when an infant, a baby, loses that connection to that literal first mother, birth mother, that baby goes through some kind of experience because relinquishment means losing the basic sense of security that babies start with. And we think, Sherry, it can even be prenatal. That is to say, there is an attachment, a prenatal attachment that occurs in the womb. There's some studies that are just out that are telling us that even if there's some kind of a trauma for the birth mother during pregnancy, that um, these are the children who have the most trouble with what we call constipation. We all know what it is, but there's a correlation there between prenatal trauma and that kind of non-healthy reaction to it. Relinquishment hurts. And when relinquishment occurs, there's a loss. And the biggest problem in our society is that we make believe that there's not a problem. And I'm saying that if you can't fix a problem if you say it's not there. Our society is learning. It's going slowly, but it's learning. The legislation in different states keeps working to improve the possibility of adoptees learning about their stories. But adoptees have to know who they are. Adoptees have their stories, and they need to be known and honored. And so relinquishment is the loss. And a lot of times when we're talking about helping children, we say, well, they're adopted children. I always say they're relinquished and adopted children. I know that's a mouthful of words, but I say it because relinquishment matters. It's a powerful insult of some sort to some of these children, especially as they get older, it's even more difficult. And so what do we got? We have relinquishment, which is an impingement on the development of a baby or a young child. 
And when we acknowledge the relinquishment, everything changes. The way I got into this was that I was failing as a marriage counselor. And I was failing with two couples, and I wondered why. And um, I looked at their information. They said both said that they were adopted. I didn't know much about it. But both of them had problems in the marriage, but they weren't really problems in the marriage. The problem is that one of the people, one of the partners in each marriage was relinquished and adopted. And when I opened up the grief, the grief was significant, a fairly painful experience of accepting the reality of being relinquished. And that time, but once people were able to do that, in both cases, there was a reunion. And in both cases, it was a positive reunion. And so the marriage kind of came back together. My comment, the problem wasn't the marriage at all. The problem was unresolved grief around relinquishment. That's kind of the base for adoptees to address and deal with. It's very important that they take a look at how they lost someone and how that's affected them developmentally in terms of growing up. So let me stop right there, and otherwise I'll just keep rolling. What's your comment, Sherry? Well, okay, so that's great. Give us now a definition of adoption. Well, I'll start. Relinquishment is the loss of first parents. Right. And adoption has to do with the attachment, the attachment to new parents. And that attachment is often what I call a compromised attachment. Because there are ways in which the birth parents will struggle to make that connection with the child, but the child will resist it because strangers aren't safe. So it'll take a while for the child to feel safe in the arms of adoptive parents. Adoption has to do with that attachment. And many times we have what I call a compromised attachment because they can't attach all the way. There are parts of an adoptee that cannot be brought to adoption in the birth history, the birth story, the reality of the birth parents, the you know all of the genetics that are involved. There are parts of the adoptee that aren't adoptable. And so some ways there's a compromised attachment that really occurs. And when people have help with the grieving, they do really well with this. But there's a grieving process that adoptees need to go through And sometimes that only happens when they finally figure out that they're making a mess of their own lives and don't know why. Yes. Ron, I have realized lately in my own life, I've had kind of a healing of memories uh, where I did some deep work, recovery work. And I've learned that there are so many more steps after validation of the adoptee wound that we can grow, we can heal all of that. Am I right? Oh, certainly so. I mean, it's an ongoing story of development. And my comment is adoptees can grow up well, but they grow up differently. Pretty obvious, really. They grow up differently than they would have been. And they have some sense of it sometimes. I wonder who I would have been if I was not relinquished. I wonder what my identity would look like then if I were not relinquished. But I have been relinquished. I am adopted. So I have go down a different developmental pathway that includes what? I'll tell you real quickly. It first of all includes the grieving of the loss of those parents, especially if you don't know much about them. Our international adoptions, often there's no information like that. The second one is identity formation. Identity formation means how do I put myself together? I got most of the pieces of the puzzle, but some pieces are missing. And so how am I going to do that? that dance of defining myself in terms of identity. 
And the third one has to do with the depth of attachment, what we call intimacy, the capacity for relationship. That's also a challenge sometimes for adoptees. And the fourth one is really, in a way, much more spiritual. The fourth one has to do with what are the fantasies and the hopes of an adoptee that they never talk about. You know, I did a study a while back with 17 people, all were who relinquished and adopted. And I asked them lots of questions about the experience and learned about how they sometimes get stuck in grief. Okay. But here's the interesting thing. 17 out of 17 of those subjects were never asked the question about the fantasies that they may have had when they were little. No one ever inquired about their story and the fantasies that they may have about birth parents that they don't know. Well, that's an additional challenge that an adoptee has to face and deal with. Sometimes they're really positive, sometimes they're really negative, but there's still a way to be somehow connected to birth parents that they do not know. Now, we should say, Sherry, that all of this has to do with the closed adoption system. Today, we don't have that anymore. Adoption is pretty much open, an open adoption, and birth parents are making the decision about where infants may be placed. So it's different from back then when the, the records were closed. And most of the counseling work I do is around the records being closed and how some people really struggle with that. And then in reunion, there are compromises and conflicts in reunion as well that have to be worked through. So an adoptee's got a lot of work to do. Yes, we do have a lot of work to do. But you know what I've come to the conclusion of, Ron, is that God is sovereign. I mean, if it took me a long time to get to that point, but I know that, you know, all the things that happened to me were meant to happen for my good. Well, it gives purpose to your life. We need to find meaning. Even in the experience of being relinquished, we can certainly say that, you know, that's part of a greater plan and that that greater plan brought some good things. But it still hurts to be relinquished. And there's still grief that has to be grieving that has to be accomplished so that people don't get stuck inside that. Yes, absolutely. Well, can we kind of switch directions now? I've got a question for you that I'd like you to share because I've never heard anybody explain the answer to why adopted teens get prematurely pregnant. Oh, that question? That's really rather easy to answer. I've worked with a, a dozen teenagers who got pregnant, and they were really happy they were pregnant. And all of us around them would say, oh, wait a minute, this is a premarital pregnancy, this is a problem. But the adoptees themselves, obviously women, were pleased that they were pregnant when they were 16. Why? Because it's the first time in their life that they met somebody that looked like them their own blood, so to speak, their own genetic heritage, so to speak. And so as odd as it may sound, relinquished and adoptive teenagers are often thankful that they get pregnant. Now, they don't, may not admit it to many people, but it's still the truth that they finally have somebody that they can be with who's just connected in a very, very direct way. So it solves the problem of lack of connection to somebody and it gives the teenager some sense of now I'm more real because I've got somebody that looks like me. So that happens every now and then, and it has to be understood. And it's always a surprise to those 
folks who are not in the adoptive world, why would that possibly be? But that means that somebody else doesn't understand. And isn't there a tie also like a grief portion of that, that the adoptee is trying to connect with the birth mother that they lost and are grieving for? That's correct. And you know what I noticed? This is an addition, I suppose. Healthy birth mothers never get over the loss of that baby. They remember that every birthday it happens, they remember. And healthy birth mothers do an ongoing grieving, which uh, really means that they are learning how to cope with and live with something. But it's not like you get over losing a baby. You learn to live with that reality. And one third of birth mothers never have another child because it's a connection to something that was so painful. It helps us understand how difficult it is. There's, there's one thing I want to put on the table here, Sherry, because you asked about it earlier. Why do adoptive mothers have such a difficulty with the, their children that were relinquished and adopted? I, I've got some ideas about it. I'll try to be brief, okay? Surprise, surprise. Let me start with marriage counseling. In marriage counseling, we see sometimes in the conflict that there is something going on that makes the marriage incredibly difficult. And one thing that sometimes goes on is that partners begin to distort each other. You've heard the comment, oh, you married your father, you married your mother. You hear this a lot. If there's an unresolved conflict that someone brings into the marriage that has to do with parents, sometimes in marriage counseling, people realize that they are distorting somebody. And the adoptee in this case, or anybody in this case, is distorting the mate because they still got homework to do around the idea of forgiveness, maybe, but there's still homework to do that hasn't been done. And so in marriage problems, we distort our mates and we make them somebody else. And often it's the parent that we have trouble with. So when I say to my wife, you know, if I start treating my wife as if she were my mother, that's a distortion. Now back to adoptees. And this is the point. Why do adoptive mothers always take a hit? Most often, why do adoptive moms take a hit? And the answer has to do with what they represent. The adoptee will begin to see the mother as the rejecting, abandoning mother. There will be a distortion about who the adoptive mother is. It's a distortion. And yet for the adoptee, it's a battle that they have to fight. You know very well that we learn the most about ourselves in our most intimate relationships. And the relationship with the mother and a child is to be the most intimate relationship in terms of development. But sometimes adoptees look at their birth mom and their adoptive moms and they're thinking adoption, they're thinking mothering, and they're saying that adoptive mother reminds me of my birth mother who relinquished me. And not that it's even very conscious, but what happens is that the adoptee treats the adoptive mom as if she were the representation of the mothering that got lost. And so a lot of times adoptees, how do I say it? What did I say? They distort the adoptive mother into somebody else. You end up with an adoptive mom who is trying her very, very best to love a child, but sometimes she has this feeling she can't get through. She cannot get through to the heart of the child. And that's a heartache for adoptive moms big time. Adoptive mothers need to realize that they are representing something to their child that's very difficult for the child to deal with. 
And when the adoptive mother gets punished, that means to me most often that the adoptee is battling the birth mother and taking it out on the adoptive mother. So distortion is an important thing to notice. And even in all the, all the language about communication these days, all kinds of books about communication, they never say much about distortion. I talk about it all the time because you are living with your perception of somebody. And that perception may be distorted. Get this, entirely unfair to the adoptive mom. That's why adoptive moms take it in the chin. Oh, that's such a good explanation, Ron. Thank you so much. What you were saying about distortion for the adoptee, isn't the distortion caused by trauma? Well, the distortion is caused by the trauma of relinquishment. Right. How traumatic that is, is kind of an open question. But I'm saying it's not nothing, okay? And I'm saying that the relinquishment sets in motion the beginning of distortion for the adoptee as the adoptee becomes aware and grows up three years old, four years old, five years old, 10 years old. Who does that adoptive mom represent? Well, she's a representative of mothering. That's the relinquishing birth mother. That's where the issues are, both in terms of longing and in terms of anger. That's where the issues are. And how do I say this to you? Good adoptive parents will help their children be sad. Good adoptive parents will help their children be sad. They will help those children grieve. They will absorb some of the anger that these kids may have because they understand where it's coming from. It's hard for adoptive moms not to personalize conflict and rejection. The adoptive mothers need to know they're taking a hit on the chin that they usually do not deserve. For adoptees, it seems like that would remove a lot of shame in how that relationship often turns out because it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. It means that are, I like to think about them as trauma cataracts. You know, we can't see through the cataracts of trauma, can't see our mother's right. It's not that there's anything wrong with them. That takes away the shame for the adoptee. Right. I mean, shame is less and less an issue these days. But birth mothers are standing up and not trying to be protected in secret. They want to be known. And so sometimes birth mothers are in in the closed adoption system, they're fighting it and letting all of us know we're done feeling shame. I think the adoptee may at times feel shame because of a sense of self where the adoptee says, somebody, when my life started, somebody didn't love me. When my life started, I wasn't worth much. When my life started, I was kind of thrown to the curb. So I must not have much value. That kind of shame also makes sense. And usually in therapy, that's the stuff we really attend to, are the uh, conclusions that adoptees come from, come to because of the relinquishments they experience. And by the way, just to say the comment, I'm working with adoptive parents and I'm working with birth parents. And sometimes it's like 30 years that this issue has been there. And then finally somebody taps it and begins to deal with it. But for 30 years, adoptees, and birth mothers make believe that uh, something didn't happen in a way that was harmful. They just push it away. So, Ron, for adoptive moms who are in that situation right now, what tips could you give to them to survive all of that pain that occurs in that distortion? Well, I made this comment about 
not personalizing the rejection. And I also made a comment about absorbing anger. And I should make the third comment for adoptees, which is not only to absorb, absorb anger, but find a way to express sorrow. You know, in the world of the church and in the world of the scriptures, we have the word lament, right? I look at that a lot because they don't do much lamenting anymore in our services of worship. But lamenting is really important. I mean, one third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. And the Bible is very instructive and open when it comes to the importance of being sad. But we live in a culture where being sad is not okay. We don't have a wailing wall the way the Jewish people do. And we have learned to do everything in a very rather superficial, light fashion. Even our funerals are no longer funerals. Now they're celebrations. There's a quality of making believe that we don't have to feel bad in our culture. Well, that gets in the way because adoptees need to feel bad. Birth mothers need to feel bad. And adoptive parents need to feel bad when they are joining the sorrow of their children. And that's the opposite from making this, making that sorrow not be there, making believe that the sorrow isn't there. So what do I say to adoptive parents? Don't personalize it. Help your children be angry and help your children be sad. Those three things. I just made them up. <laughs> oh, I love that. Ron, could you tell the listeners how they could get in contact with you as a counselor or a speaker? That's easy to do. My phone number is 616-822-1536. I'll say it again, 616-822-1536. I have an email too, but it's pretty long. So if somebody wants to phone, phone it in, that's fine. I'll use the phone. Thank you so much. We have a lot of history in our friendship. I remember when my first book came out and I spoke up in Grand Rapids and there you were with about four other people to have dinner with. It was wonderful. So it's been a blessing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 20 Things Adoption Podcast. If you can think of friends or family that would benefit from this information, feel free to share. See you next time.